that we are to run a race towards Christ. And see, when we run, when, we, when, when, when I, I don't really run often, unless there's something great big chasing me and I don't have a weapon. <laughs> but when you run, if you're running on a road, you need to look down. As you run. Christians, followers of Christ, should not look down and see the stumbling blocks in the potholes that we should look up. We should never lose focus of who God is and what Jesus has done for us. I got up this morning, as I do most every Sunday morning, and I was excited to come here. How awesome is it that we get to meet as a group of people in the same building and know that we'll join one day our brothers and sisters from all over the world in the capital C church in eternity forever. Let me tell you something. If that doesn't excite you, I know that we can be selfish and we want to see our kids grow up and get married and see grandkids and all this stuff. But that's, that's us being humanly selfish. Do you understand that we have the hope in Christ that we will experience eternity in heaven forever? If that doesn't excite you, check this. Spiritually. You have to check your pulse. I get to see all your your smiling faces. I got to hear stories about uh, what your week was like. I got to see... uh, Pictures of things that you saw. People have been on vacation. Um, we, we've had another Connection family go to Bucky's in Alabama. So that's two of us. And, and you can ask the berries. Bucky's rocks. Okay, I'm telling you, it was worth the trip just to see that. Okay. I get to see, we live life together. Yet in all of this stuff, in the midst of all the stories and all the smiles, I'm going to get real, real with you real fast. In the midst of all the stories and the smiles, right now there are difficulties. There is pain. There's hopelessness, there's shame, there's guilt, there's sin. Guess what? You're in the right place. Because the God that we serve says, I want you to come running at me, man. Don't worry about the potholes. You just come running. But that's hard for us because Jesus is greater than what we see. You see, when we run on a spiritual path and we're running towards Christ, do you not think Satan has pitfalls? Anybody remember that game? Pitfall? Atari? My people. Anybody? Four of us? Okay, let's have a party, okay? You could grab the vines and swing over the pits that had alligators, right? Why? Because you would die, right? What we do is, is God says, I don't want you to look down. You look up and watch what I do with that stuff. Watch how I get you over that, through that, over it, through it, under, around, whatever he does. But the thing is, we look and we stop. Spiritually. You're walking, you're walking in your spiritual life and okay, I see Jesus. And all of a sudden there's a, there a, there a wall right here. And you... You peeking over it? And you say, well, you try to push it down. You try to push harder. Get a vehicle, try and hit it hard. You, you, you want to get through it. You want to get over it. because you, you want to see what's on the other side. But the only thing that you see is you're not looking up at Jesus. The only thing that you see in your way is that wall. And God says, if you just look at me, I'll teach you how to get over it. 
I haven't had that much coffee. Because this excites me. We get to worship together. We, we've read our Bibles together this week collectively throughout. And we've read our Bibles together this week in different states. Some, some of you that travel globally, maybe you read your Bible in another country this week. The cool thing about God is he's not, he's not as we're going to look in the tabernacle in, in Hebrews in chapter 9, he's not a portable in the tent presence God. He's global, omnipresent. He's present everywhere. So right now, we, we, we've just passed a, a part of worship where we lifted up high the name of Jesus, saying, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. But some of us won't walk out the door and say, I believe it, God. We say, no, no, the darkness makes me tremble. You know why? Because you don't have your eyes in the right spot. You're looking down at fear. Oh, wait, there's a song. Ready? Fear is a liar. Satan is a lie. He will do everything to mix you up, to mess with you. He knows exactly what buttons to push and when. And how many times? He knows how to set you off. You know what Satan's done with me this week? If we're being real. I've had to really watch my relationship with my wife. And I don't know about you because you've, you guys have probably never said anything sarcastic or mean to anybody. That's sarcasm. <laughs> You're all in the boat with me, okay? But it's one of those things where if, I, if I'm honest, I had to, it's one of those weeks that I had to work on my communication. And there, there is nobody in here that has 40 plus years of marriage that would not say that communication is absolutely number one. Besides God. So we, we've, list, we've lifted high God's name this morning. Let me ask you a question this morning, because when we deal with this, Jesus is greater than what we see. See, there are many illusionists in this world. And I have a pair of cargo khaki shorts on. How many people believe that in one of my pockets in my shorts right now, I have a 54-card deck of cards, 52 with plus two jokers? How many people would believe me? perfect you didn't see it did you nobody raised their hand why because we're tangible humans now is that real yeah and the cards in here they're real none of you believe me i'm, the, I'm your pastor why do you trust me this is important this is important. I'm no magician, okay? But I wore baggy clothes. And I put my hand in my pocket on purpose so you couldn't see the outline. Because if I do that, you could, you, could, you could see it. It's important that we do that because just if, if, I, if I'm going to play and I'm not, if I'm just going to play God and say, and say, do you trust me that I have the answer for what you need right here? Do you trust God? It all comes back to that. It all comes back to do I trust God? You couldn't see. Now, if... If some of you are staying for the second service, don't spoil my trick. Okay? Don't post about it on Facebook. Oh, watch, watch Matt. Raise your hand. It'll really mess with him. Don't do it. Okay? I'm going to do something different just because. But that, see, that's me not, not, that's, that's me not trusting you. We see things and we think, huh. I grew up riding a bicycle around Albion. Ramping stuff that should not be ramped. Anybody? My, yeah, my people, okay. Uh, there was a, a ditch 
you know, I've told this story before, and I came up to that ditch, and even myself said, you know what? No bueno. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do this. This is not good. I'm not, nobody, you're not going to make it. Then we all have that friend. Maybe you are that friend, but there's one guy that you hung out with that goes, I can do that. Okay, bro, let's see. And he all but made it about six inches from the landing and stuck the nose of his bike straight into the side of the ditch, and he fell into the water. To which we all laughed. Then we made sure he was okay. It's reverse now. I'll make sure that you're okay. Then we laugh. But no, then it was just hilarious. But see, we don't believe that, that something can be done until we watch it be completed. Watch it be done. You didn't believe me that I had a deck of cards in my, until I showed you. Unfortunately, we are of the, the Christian belief that God does not show us things sometimes. Before we act. Because often it's in the middle of the darkness that we've tried everything that we can do and then we say, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. We're believing that he can get us through without seeing the end result. If you guys go get gas today, you, by faith... Put the nozzle in, squeeze the handle, watch the dollars go up, watch the gallon number. None, none of you, now you can see it drip when you take it out, but none of you, like, get right in there. You can hear it. What are they, what are they made just a sound effect? 40 bucks and your needle doesn't move. See, it's tangible. How do you know that the gas went in? The float in your tank shows the fullness of your tank. You, you can see this. But it's very difficult when you can't see. Matt, what in the world are we going to talk about? Jesus is greater than what we see, and we're talking about the tabernacle. We are. But the question is this. How well, on a scale of 1 to 10, how well do you trust God? Don't answer externally. You can write it down in your worship handout if you want. But how well do you trust God? Now, with, with something like that, that's, that's going to go well, hey, yeah, mm. we trust God that's going to get, we, we trust him that our vehicles are going to get us from point A to point B, and we, we, we trust him on a vacation or on a trip or something. We trust him, sure. Do you trust him if it changes your normal? Nope. That's how we want to do. God, I do it like this. I need you to do this. And we get like six-year-old face with God. I mean, I can do it myself. Anybody have kids that say I can do it myself? Anybody have adult grown children that say I can do it myself? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 See, we, when our normal changes, when God moves us to different places, number one, we have to be listening for him even to speak to us this way. Sometimes he speaks with different people and helps us move different directions. Do you trust him when it's not normal? And do you trust him to follow in what he wants you to do and you do not fully understand? I don't answer these questions well. Neither does any human. When God shakes us up and changes our normal, it messes with us. Anybody, anybody have a, like, a, like a lot of tools in your garage? Anybody? Okay, now watch this. You ready? Out of the people that just raised your hands, 
How many of you does it make you mad when somebody else uses something and they do not put it back where they should? Oh, yeah. How many of you people that have tools just have a corner and you just toss sockets and toss wrenches in a corner? No one. Why? Do you know why? Because <laughs> your kids are doing that for you. No, we want it. We want it. Right? You can, you can watch, you can look at some pegboards and they even have it. Somebody spent a lot of time, they even have the outlines of the specific wrenches. I'm missing a 9/16 inch wrench. It's this, it's this, it's, it's you know, steel. <laughs> we have all these different things, but when, but when that's out of whack, and, I, and, I, and some of you are, are so intently, just, just, you love to mess with me. I told you one time in my, in my truck, I have dual climate control. Yay, okay. It's just so I can stay cool and Mary can be warm. <laughs> but it really bothers me if the numbers on both sides don't match. And one of, one of the people, a couple that goes to Connection, decided to be real funny to turn the air on one and the heat on the other and put them on different numbers. I deleted it as soon as I looked at it. Like, no way. Sinner. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not my normal. Okay, it's not when I'm in my truck, you can go right now and check the air. It's probably on 68 or 70. Both sides match. Like it has an arrow for, you know, that's this temperature. And I like it when the both arrows are on because it means they're the same. But when God interrupts our normal, it can really, really, really mess with us because we don't see the point. Look at your worship handout with me. Humans tend to place greater trust in things they can see with their own eyes and touch with their own hands. No one believed me that I had a deck of cards in my pocket. And I get it. Maybe you didn't want to raise your hand. Maybe you really did believe me, but that's okay. We are tangible learners, okay? So if we're going to break into this tangible stuff, I'll try you again. How many people believe this is a three of spades? Come on. It's a three of diamonds. See, we, we are natural doubters, aren't we? So if you're a natural doubter, then chances are really good that trust is difficult sometimes for you. Now, we may, you may have years of experience with your spouse, and you, you trust them. Or you would trust a babysitter with your kids. You trust somebody with your life. And you're, if you're in the service, you, you, you would have understood this, that the guy beside you, could quite possibly be the reason that you get to come home for more. And you trust things. But I'm telling, man, you guys have not trusted me two times. One time you were right. One time I was right. So we're tied. We'll have a tiebreaker, okay? But we, we tend, don't we? We tend to place greater trust in things that can see with their own eyes. Jason Berry gave me a toy. And if you know Jason, he has some very unique toys. But he gave me an air cannon that I still have. It's still awesome. If you've never seen these things, it's, it's cool. Little telescopic device. It has a piece of plastic and a, piece, and a, and a spring or a, a, a pulley. You pull it back. It captures air in it, and it slams forward, and it, it, shoots, it shoots air out. Well, the cool thing is I could stand up here. You would never see it coming, but it's awesome because it, when it hits you in the side of the head, it's like, Poof. you don't see it coming, which Mary really likes. Because if it's still, you can get it, we, the sideways in a, in a gym, you can get it to have effect on the other side of a gym. It's that far. 
It's really, really neat. But the first time that you do that to someone and they don't know what you're doing, the first question they ask is, what was that? Or you, you get somebody that's in a room and you intentionally shoot it off of the curtain beside them and they think there's like demonic forces in their house. And what the thing is, you have, to, you have to take and show them, hey, this is what it is. Stand there and you have to prove to them that you're shooting air. See, we have problems trusting things. We have to see it with our own eyes. Uh, somebody, somebody tells me, you know, we caught, we, caught, we caught some, how about this? And for the people that I've already talked to, you can't answer this. How many people believe me? That yesterday was a really good day to catch fish. Yeah, all right, yeah. We'll, we'll go out eat sometime. I like you guys. You trust me. It was. We caught a lot of fish and we ran some nets yesterday. We caught a lot of fish. You can see the proof on my hands. Flatheads aren't nice when you grab them and they don't want to be grabbed. <laughs> but I would have to, some, if I told you, I said, well, we caught almost 200 pounds of flathead. <laughs> no, you didn't. It would take me going to my phone and showing you, doesn't it? And we all have those friends that catch a bass this big and somehow they think it's like a 26-pound world record. Okay, we, we, we have those people. And that, that's what makes trusting difficult. Michael Jordan was asking an interview one time. And my, anybody remember the movie Michael Jordan Airtime? The video that you get for Sports Illustrated? Michael Jordan, you know, in my opinion, probably the best basketball player to ever play the game, changed the game probably the most, is sitting on a deck... And he makes this comment about a football. He said, I can throw a football 60 yards. No, whoa. Here's the deal. Michael Jordan's six foot six, and he's exceptionally athletic, but basketball is a sport. An NFL football to be thrown 60 yards is an impressive feat. So what does the interviewer ask him? Can I see you do that? And he goes, sure. And he stands up, and he throws a 60-yard bomb with a football. Not warmed up, just threw it. So he, again, had to have it proven to you. I wonder about this. If, if you read it in God's word and it's something that you have to trust him for, how, how much time does it take for you to give up on that? How much time do you spend, God, make this happen in front of me? Make, I believe it was Jesus in the New Testament that said, blessed are you because you've seen and believed, but, but much greater are those people that believe without seeing. It's faith. It's trust. It's difficult for us to do. We have to trust God at his word. Do you know why we trust God at his word? He wrote it. He's the author. Okay? I'm not going to go into the last thing that I'm going to do or you want me to do is if you take your pet to Dr. Thomas and I just take a stroll in and say, Dr. Thomas, I'm here to do surgery today. He's going to politely ask me to leave. Okay? I don't have a veterinary degree. I have no idea how to do this. Look at the next blank in your worship handout. How much do you trust God? Do you trust him to work things out even when you can't see the end or it's through something difficult? You see, there's difficulties going on right now. There's relationships that are not healthy that are going on. And here's the deal. Bad relationships do not have to be boyfriend, girlfriend, spouses. Bad relationships in my life, the most of them that I had to do away with or to to get away from toxic people were friendships. Mary and I go to Missouri. We don't, we, we don't hang around with everybody that we hung around in college. We, we, can't, we, don't, we just don't. But 
do you, do you trust God to get you, some of, some of the people in this room have, have went through some very, very difficult things. Loss of loved ones too early in our, in our mind of thinking. We, we've gone through bankruptcy, we've gone through loss of jobs, we've gone through all kinds of different things. Yet currently you're sitting in here right now or you're listening online and you have made it through 100% of your bad days so far. And some of it's been with very little trust and some of it's been with very great trust. And the, the opportunities that we have to trust God greatly, I don't know if you've seen this, but you're more likely to see that answer quicker because you're not depending on yourself. God, I need, I need you, I trust you. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you trust God? 10 being the highest. How about, how about the, this, is, this is somewhat of an easy one for us more mature people that have followed Christ for a long time. Uh, do you trust God with your salvation? Yes, Matt, God's word says in John 10, 28 and 29 that I'm kept, held, that I'm, that have, I'm eternally secure in my faith in Christ. Good. Awesome. God says in 1 John that he wants us to know our salvation. He wants us to trust him, that we know. How about this? Do you trust God to work out a situation that is difficult even when he doesn't let you see the answer first? This is hard. We, we got college kids that decided on where they were going to go to school. And you could, you could talk with them about that. And I guarantee you, the ones that I've got to talk with, it came down to me asking them, where do you think God wants you to go? But, 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 listen, God doesn't deal with buts. God does. God, God allows. God's doing incredible things in the midst of our people and at our church. Do you know that some of the things that God is bringing into fruition or he's bringing it to happen currently right now have been through over 12 years of prayer and preparation and waiting and being patient on God to move on his time? 12 years. Are you, do you trust God enough to be patient? Oh, I knew that word was going to come up, Matt. Let's not talk about patience. I don't pray for patience because then God will test you with patience. Yeah, that's the point. You trust him to work things out even when you can't see an end. We don't understand why God leads us in different directions. The only thing that we need to do is to follow what God is doing and where he wants us to go. In Hebrews chapter 9, we learn about the, the Old Testament tabernacle. So if, you, if you're with me, look at, look at Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Now keep in mind, he, the writer goes back to the Old Testament because he's foreshadowing in the future, what we have now, the new covenant. But then they, they operated with priest, high priest, a holy place, the most holy place. In the temple later, it would be the holy of holies. There were curtains. There were cool. We're going to see some really neat stuff in here. And by the way, Indiana Jones did not find the Ark of the Covenant. But we are going to talk about the real one right here. Look at verse 1. Verse one. The first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were instructions. If you read, I'll give you, some, I'll give you all the text that you want. You can look at Exodus 25 to 30, five chapters, on how Moses was to build the tabernacle. 
It needs to be this long. It needs to look like this. It needs to be this color. It needs to have this many tassels. It needs to be have this. It needs to have this. And you read it and go, wow. <laughs> we built a house, and me and my wife didn't have to answer nearly all these questions, right? But it was, it was down to the minute detail, incredible detail, how the, the specific instructions of worship, the specific instructions of how to worship, where to worship, when to worship. Exodus 25 through 30 shows us that. But look at verse 2. There were two rooms in the tabernacle. Now, this is a tent. Okay, this is, this is literally a tent, two-room tent. Big tent, but two rooms. In the first room, in the first room were a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Now, this is not the inner, inner room. This is the holy place. This is where the priests would, would work. They would do sacrifices there. They would do... The only time the second room got used was one time a year on a high holy day, okay? The day of atonement, um, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the tabernacle was God's temporary dwelling spot. Moses built this after God had rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, okay? So it was, it was a place that held his presence. And the high priest, uh, the tribe of Levi, okay, um, were the high priests given specific jobs, um, the tabernacle, the tabernacle was, was very, very, we talked about this last week about shadowing about the, the tabernacle on earth represented what was going to be in heaven. And we can't really comprehend that very well. Um, but the tabernacle was built to reflect the holiness of God. The second room was the most special, but you couldn't just walk from the first room to the second room because there was a curtain. Okay. And when I mean curtain, I'm not talking a shower curtain, okay? I'm not talking a bed sheet or a, or a simple curtain like this. I'm talking about more like a veil, like a velvet, thick, heavy. Anybody remember those curtains? Yeah, when you, when you had to like, my grandma's house, we had to like open, like pull the curtains. And you, you, it was like a workout because they weighed like, you know, 60 pounds a piece. And you're like, like this. And they, usually they were in really awesome colors, like deep, dark maroon and dust color because it's very hard to dust them, so they just turned dusty. <laughs> but there was a curtain in verse 3. Then there was a curtain. There's a curtain in the temple as well. Um, now, why is this important? This is, this is very important. There was a curtain. In my notes, I underline curtain because when Christ gives his life on the cross, and he says, it is finished, inside the Holy of Holies, which a curtain surrounded it, it was torn from the ceiling to the floor, letting God's presence out. That was very specific. It's very important. We can read scripture way too fast sometimes. And behind the curtain was the second room called the most holy, of, holy place. In later times, when, we had, when, we, when they build a temple, it's called the Holy of Holies. It's the same thing. If you want to talk about something awesome, this would have been awesome to see. Because let's check out what is in there. In verse 4. In that room were a, uh, a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant. Indiana Jones didn't find it. He also didn't find the cup that Jesus used. It, uh, if you've seen, I mean, if people have seen that movie, okay, it's an awesome movie, biblically incorrect. <laughs> okay, uh, but they do get a couple things right in the movie. If you touch the Ark of the Covenant, you die. In the Bible. In the movie, remember Indiana Jones tricks the guy at the end and he gets this great big chalice that's all beautifully ornate and he goes, this is the cup. 
And the guy goes, okay, take it. And he, and he drinks it, and he ages really fast, and like the skeleton and the really hairy, and he dies. And then Indiana Jones says, that's the cup of a carpenter. It's very plain, okay? So some of these things are, are okay, okay? They, they, if they exist now, I think God has just had them hidden from us, okay? We don't, we don't need that. But in the Bible, if you touch the Ark of the Covenant, you die. Why? So in the, in the, in the room was a, was a gold incense altar, okay? How many of you have gold furniture in your house? Solid gold. Anybody? No? Anybody have a gold, like, toilet? Something cool? Listen, this is a golden, a solid golden incense altar. It's solid gold. What do they do? They just burn incense on it. This is the magnitude. Why did they use gold? It was the most precious and considered the most valuable resource of the time. It was also malleable. You could move it and shape it. So in the room was a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant. So it was wooden, but watch this, which was covered with gold on all sides. How many people have just gold-plated furniture at your house? No? No? You don't sit in a, like, Lazy Boy 5.0, gold-covered, right? No? Okay. Inside the ark, look at this. Inside the ark were a gold jar containing manna. And if you remember back how God fed the people for 40 years with manna, so they kept that in there. Now, it's important that we see, it's really, really, really important that we see this. There was a gold jar containing manna. Aaron's staff, and remember Aaron is the, the first of the Levitical priest. He's it's his priesthood. It, his staff was not, a, was not a cool walking cane. This was a staff that sprouted leaves. And the stone tablets of the covenant. Now, at the next blank, we're going to talk about these things. Look at the next blank in your, in your worship handout. All the items in the Ark of the Covenant represented God's redemption, faithfulness, and holiness. Now, they were inside the Holy of Holies. Even the high priest is not going to touch the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was only moved by poles that were extended through the Ark of the Covenant on each side, and it was carried by the pole. It was not allowed to be touched. So, time out. God has all of this cool stuff Inside this, like, treasure chest thing, we can't touch it. We can't open it to look at it. It's in the Holy of Holies. It's only visited one time a year. Why is it in there right here? All of the items inside, inside the Ark of the Covenant were put there on purpose. So the people could remember the trust that God had taken care of them. It's bigger than what they could see. They couldn't see this stuff. His redemption, his faithfulness, his holiness. Why did the Old Testament people build altars when they crossed the river or God did something great for them? It's so whenever anybody else would come by that altar or they would make another pass by that altar, they would remember, wow, this is what God did for me. Every time I look down at my arm and I see this scar, I remember of how God healed me. Every time. I don't not think about that. I look down, and I can tell you when it's going to rain, too. <laughs> Anybody has metal in your body, I, you understand, okay? But every time I look, it's a reminder of miracles that God has done in my life. If you don't, and I know that some of you don't believe me, but I was told by a doctor that I may not be able to catch anymore because the impact would be so great on my bone, and I still have the ability. Last week, I got to play softball, and it was fun. And you know what I did? It was really wild. You know what I did? I caught the ball. 
And it reminded me that I was so blessed to be out there. God, that I'm not going to be able to play this forever, but that God is faithful. He, 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 showed, he showed his great mercy and his power in, in my body. It's the same thing with these, with these items. So look at the items. Aaron's staff. It reminds us, and the, and the people here, but even us looking back into the past, it reminds us of Aaron's call to the priesthood. Do you remember when you were convicted by the Holy Spirit that you needed to become a Christian? You remember? You remember how, you remember how tight some of you gripped the pew? I don't want to go forward. I don't want to go forward. I don't want to go forward. Remember? It's called white knuckling, by the way. You, do you, you remember when you were baptized? Do you remember the people that you told? See, some of us can say, yes, yes, yes. Why do we remember those things? Why are memories so important? Why are these things in there? What are they to do? They're to remind the people of God's constant and forever eternal and past eternal faithfulness to us and his people. They're reminders. They're bigger than what we can see. Aaron's staff also reminds uh, us of, of how God kept his people alive. The, the tablets, okay, the tablets that they just talked about were the Ten Commandment tablets, 2.0, because he broke the first ones, right? He had to go back up. This is the second pairing, okay? This is the second, this is the second uh, Ten Commandments. They're to remind the people of God's covenant with them, their responsibility to uphold their end of the covenant, and they were to follow the Ten Commandments. The golden urn or jar containing manna, this is how God fed his people for 40 years. And even the ark itself stood for God's love and his faithfulness to his people. Extremely ornate. We're going to see something that's on top of them, and it's 100% unbelievable to me. In verse 5, look at this. Above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the... Now, Indiana Jones, they had this down pretty good. They must have looked at scripture, because they did have, they did have the, cherub, the cherubim with, the, with, their, with their wings folded just like this. Their wings stretched over, uh, over the ark's cover, the place of atonement, but we cannot explain these things in detail now. Do you know why they couldn't explain these things in detail right now? Because there's a very good possibility the writer never saw it because it's too far in, in the future. But there's only a few people that saw these things go in. <laughs> it's very, very specific. So why? Why do we do? Why, why do we? Now watch, the cherubim, okay? Um, for, you, for those of you that have, have never studied biblical angels and what they do, no angel in heaven floats on a cloud and plays a harp. These are bad dudes, they are creatures that have, they, were, they were created, okay? Some of them were strictly created just to worship God because God's that holy. When you see in Scripture that there is an angel protecting something, you're not that strong. A cherubim was, look, a cherubim, not only just a plain cherub, he was of divine glory. He doesn't have a bow with hearts on the end as broadhead, shooting people, falling in love with other people. Okay? He doesn't do that. These things were placed there on purpose. Why? Cherubim are heavenly creatures that God gave specific tasks to. They overshadowed the mercy seat. 
This, when they're like this over the Ark of the Covenant, they're protecting the Ark of the Covenant. That's why if you touch it, you die. Okay? It contains the very, the, it, number one, it's in the Holy of Holies. God's presence is there. If you touched it, you died. Um, but they're, they were, they're protecting gold. It was used throughout the tabernacle, considered priceless. The gold, I love this. The gold represents the infinite value of heaven and heavenly worship. Now, question. Did you take full advantage of worship this morning? Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. We hear people often, Matt and Jake don't have shoes on. Like, just get used to it. We're not going to wear shoes when we play. Man, Matt and Jake won't stand still. Do you know why I can't stay still during worship? Do you know? You want me to tell you? I'm going to tell you anyway, so just say yes, okay? I can't forget about what God has done for me. I can't forget about it. It's a, it's a constant daily reminder. I can look at this child. That's mine, one of them. And if you know our story, I have two miracles. Th- three, if you count Mary putting up with me for almost 16 years. That's a big one. <laughs> They're constant reminders. Do you know, some of you in this building prayed for Mary and I after we lost our baby. You prayed with us. You said, we will pray with you. We will pray for you that if it's, if, if it's adoption, if God wants you guys to have kids, we're going to pray for you. Guess what? It's a reminder to you as well because you were the ones that helped us pray. You prayed for us. And it's something that God said, look, Timma. And it's Lydia. We have to watch Lydia bounce because she just bounces, okay? She's kind of calm. <laughs> but they're miracles. Every morning I wake up, they say, Dad, good morning. Well, Emma says, Dad, morning. Lydia says, morning, okay? <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, I don't make this stuff up. Um, but they're, they're constant reminders, just like the ark here. Now, the cool thing about this is the, the author is talking to people that know this Forwards, backwards, up, and down. They understand the traditional old law. They understand it. But now he moves in, and he's talking about this. But how many of us take full advantage of having, of having heavenly worship here on earth? When's the last time that you couldn't sing the words that we were singing because you said, God, you're just so good, I can't even talk. God, you're so amazing. When we went down to Gulf Shores earlier this year, I stood, I, stood, I, went, I went looking for shells because I'm so uh, ADD, I cannot lay on the beach, people. Uh, five minutes, and I'm like, mm, I'm going to go look for shells, okay? And I'll walk a mile down the beach, and I'll come back. But I literally stood at the, at the base, uh, base of, the, of the beach where the, where the water was coming up, and I just looked out, and there was nothing. Nothing, just water. I wasn't looking at a boat. I wasn't looking at a dolphin. I wasn't looking at crabs. I was looking at just water that looked like it was infinite, And in that moment, God spoke to me and he said, this should remind you every time you see something like this of how much I infinitely love you. I'll never forget that. Just one of those cool times when God speaks to you. I have a, I saw some cool sunsets in the past week. I have a, I have a friend that used to say every sunset was a love letter written to us from God. She loved them. Took all kinds of pictures of them. But these things are in here to remind us. These, these things in the Ark of the Covenant were tangible. Now, they couldn't have held them, but they knew that they were there. 
Look at verse 6. When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. Now, they're offering sacrifices for the people, guilt offering, shame offering, sin offerings, all kinds of regular, regular daily chores, not entering into the second room. They were the mediators, okay? It would work like this. Uh, if Sam sinned, Sam would come up to me if I'm a high priest and he'd say, here's, uh, I, got a, I got a dove or I got three quarters of a cup of flour or I've got whatever, whatever he needed to be forgiven for. I would go in, I would offer that offering and Sam, I would go... I, you're good. They, they didn't actually say you're good, but, but I, would, I, would, I, was, I was the mediator between Sam and God. You can see that now in the Catholic Church. You can see the mediator is the, is the priest. But we can communicate, unlike them in the Old Testament, we can communicate straight with God. And in fact, the scriptures that we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that we don't have, we can come into the very presence of God and go straight into his throne and pray. And who mediates for us? See, we have a mediator, but it's kind of a very important mediator. He's the one that sits at the right hand of God the Father. That's Jesus Christ himself. When we don't know the words to pray, God, Jesus, prays for us. But only the high priest, in verse 7, ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. This is significant to me. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for for the sins of the people that he committed in ignorance. What does he do first? See, I don't, I don't pray for you at home and go, Oh, Lord, let Lachelle understand what she's doing. Oh, please help her. No, I have to look at myself. Because you can read several places in Scripture. You are to take care of your stuff first. It's important. So he would go in, the high priest... So the sins committed in ignorance, Christians, we like to think we have two ways to sin. We do deliberately wrong things. We, we sin. We lie to people. We do these things. It's, that's in, intentional. Um, we also, and this is tough, we also sin, that's, I'm sorry, the first way is, is sins of commission. We do these things. The second way is a sin of omission. We think of sin as failing to do what we ought to do. Now, listen to this. Failure to do what God commands us to do is no less sinful than doing what he has commanded us not to do. By choosing not to follow God, you're choosing. Does that make sense? By choosing not to follow. But there's a third way. Unintentional sin. These are things that we commit that we have no idea that we've done. Because sin is so much a part of us, we often get so sidetracked that we do things that are sinful and we do not even realize it. You can go up to somebody, have a conversation, say something smart, like it hurts their feelings, and you don't even know it because you're so sarcastic all the time. I'll get on that boat. Okay, well, we do this. We do things. We, we say something unintentionally and we, and we sin. So the high priest... We're all, the high priests were human beings. They were still sinful. They had these things, even by sins of, of ignorance, was what he's talking about. Unintentional, it, there's still sin. So it's still pointing towards the future that one day this line of Aaron, this Le- Levitical priest line is going to go away because there's going to come a final one. And these people had to just trust that. Until, listen, until Jesus comes, they just have to do what God tells them to do. You know how mundane that would be? Do you know how bloody the temple is? 
in verse 8, he says this, By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance of the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and system it represented were still in use. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. Bingo. He's taking Old Testament straight to now. For the gifts and sacrifices of the priests are not able to cleanse the consciousness of the people who bring them. So they came in once a year. They made the, sin, the sacrifice for the sins of the people and for all these things. Every single year on the day of atonement, they would do the same thing. The priest would die, be replaced. He would die, be replaced over and over and over. In this verse, in verse 8, the Holy, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance of the... So it's not freely open. There's a curtain. You can see... When you do, when you do a word study on verse 8, the Holy Spirit is literally yearning that God would send the Son to make it possible. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the most interactive part of the Godhead that we deal with. He's the one that helps us move and, and guides us. I wonder if we... The veil in the Holy of Holies was torn when Christ died so that we can now experience the fullness of God. So the fullness of God. We can experience the fullness of God, but yet we do not trust him. I wonder if we spend enough time with him to even understand his fullness and his presence. Instead of saying, God, I have this wall, you're not saying anything that he doesn't know. I have this wall, I trust you. I can't see over, around, under, I can't, do, I can't do anything. But God, I know that my eyes are on you, I know this is an obstacle in my life, and I know that you can handle it. Please, please, God, help show me what you want me to do. Give me the tools that you want me to do. Give me, sometimes, there's a wall in your life, sometimes God goes, here's a sledgehammer. Start swinging. Us moving and, and, and working against things. Some of us never thought that we could be clean of certain things that we were addicted to in our life. Guess what? You can. It's, there's, there's proof in this room that, that, you, that you can have that freedom. But when you started it, your eyes couldn't see it. Look at verse 10. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies. Physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. The people of Israel could offer things that were external, but the high priest couldn't do anything internally. They, you, could, you, could, you could swerve your chariot into somebody. Come tell the priest, I'd swerve in my chariot and somebody else. I'm sorry, here's a dove, kill it. Okay. You would be forgiven as they mediated you to God. You, they were given that offering. It would cleanse you of your sin. Now watch. Salvation wasn't in the tabernacle. And you have to hear that right. Yes, God was in there. But you could not get what we have today there. It was all sacrificial. It was all, it was all humanistic, external. It wasn't a matter of the heart. It was simply wiping something clean again. You have been justified. You've been made right internally. You have the Holy Spirit inside you. When Jesus appears... <laughs> When Jesus appears next week in verse 11, everything changed about this process. Everything. So look at the last blank in your, in your worship handout. Jesus is the hope of the new covenant. Now, we're going to read this next week in verse 11, but some of you may uh, have not heard or remembered anything that we have studied here today. Some of you may remember my story. Maybe you remembered about these cards. But I want to tell you something else. 
if you don't remember anything out of my sermon, I won't be mad at you. But if you're going to remember one thing today, one, one, if you're going to remember one thing, will you trust me? And we're not talking about cards here. Will you trust me that God can be trusted? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're planning to go through. I don't know what God has as far as change in your life. But I promise you, as I look at my arm, and those people would have looked at, at the tabernacle of God's holiness, and, and can you imagine being the high priest and coming out? So how's the Ark of the Covenant? Still there. <laughs> getting to see these things and knowing that inside those things were proof of God. The next time that, you, that, you, that you're trying to, trying to get over this wall, will you just understand that God can be trusted? And the thing is, what we see is, God, I need you to show it to me. God says, how big a faith do you have to believe that I have cards in my pocket? How big are you to believe, or how much faith do you have to think that I have the answer to your problem right here, but you have to wait? How big is God where he says, I'm going to move you, I'm going to change your normal, only if you trust me? There are many verses in scripture that literally say, if, blah, 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 then, blah, blah, blah. And most of those if and then verses, what I just refer to them as, most of the time the then is a blessing, but only if the if is done. If you delight yourself in the Lord, you will receive the desires of your heart. Huh, you mean I gotta do something? Well, then God's all about doing stuff. No, you do stuff as a result of what God has done for you. Your works are a result of your salvation and your faith. So Jesus is greater than the things that we can see. And some of you think only one thing. Matt, I have a blindfold on and I have no idea where I'm going. Did you know that that's okay? <laughs> you know it's okay? You know how good of a pilot God is? God could heal, he'll guide you. But the thing is, you will not see him move unless you trust him. So what are you not trusting God to handle? Your finances? Your relationship with your husband or wife? Maybe you're in here going, I'm never going to get married. I'll be 88 years old before I have a date. Do you trust God? Even if it's not in your timing, do you trust God? I had people, after we had the miscarriage in our, in our church, had people came out of the woodwork they said, hey, this happened to us, 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 this happened to us. I can't tell you the number of people that we've got to use through that situation to other people that that's happened to. I, I talk with guys and I say, I don't care if you can bench press 400 pounds. You cannot lift that burden off your wife. You can't do it. You're not that strong. No, you're not. Check your ego at the door. You're not that strong. Do you trust that God can get you through things? What do you not trust God to handle? Over the past two or three weeks, I've heard many people in our church go through some, are going through and will go through some very difficult things. I understand some of them, but I don't understand all of them. But even the ones I don't understand, I trust that God can handle. He's currently not ever not handled something and not been capable of handling something. 
It sounds very generic during this study. But if you have one of these things, you have to understand that one of the most important things that you could probably ever do is to talk to someone that has scars in their life that God has brought them through. Why, why ask questions, ask God questions. Why can I trust you? Wrestle with God. You know that he's, he's okay with that? David, a guy, a guy that, that God called a man after his own heart, wrestled spiritually with God. When you wrestle with God, you, you manipulate and you move around and you're trying to pin God. And the only thing he's just doing is going, well, you just quit. But the more that you're into him, the more that you dive in, the more that you realize that you can trust. And finally you come to a realization is, huh, hmm, I can trust you. So whatever you have going on this week, I wonder if you believe me that I have the deck of cards in my pocket again or did I put them back there? God is not a magician. But God wants us to say, you know what, God? Even if you don't show me, I trust you. One of the most difficult things to ever utter out of your mouth is, God, I don't see the sight, the end in sight. I don't see the answer in sight, but I trust you. So what do you have going on in your life? Because I'm, as, we, as we end this morning, I would love to pray for you. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Okay, I want everybody to stand up. I want everybody to stand up. If you can, if, you're, if, it, if it's feasible. And as I pray for these people that have stuff going on right now, and you know who you are, okay? You know who you are. I'm gonna pray for you. If you're, if you're just having a pretty good week, would you take some time with me and pray together with me for these people in the room that have stuff going on? I know it's big. You can trust them. Let's pray. God, we love you. You're so blessed to come to a place, to a building, to get with a group of people that we can sing worship songs to you, that we can have relationships with people here, that we have friendships, that we can do all these things. But most importantly, God, the most important thing that we do here as a church and outside of this church wall is to praise and glorify your name. God, there are things that are going on in this room that I don't know about. It's none of my business, God, but you do. And you desire us to have a relationship with you that is second to nothing else. You want to move us, change us, shape us into the things that you want us to do. But God, it takes us to trust you to do that. I ask you, God, right now that you would give people strength, that you would give them the knowledge, that you would give them the strength to even ask for help or prayer. God, I pray for the person that came up before church started right now. You know who they are. I ask, God, that you do a mighty work in their life with with the person they're related to, God. Broken relationships hurt. And God, I ask in Jesus' name that you restore a right relationship with them and God, that they would restore a right relationship with you. God, that we would allow people and you would allow us to trust you in ways that we never have before. God, that you would continue to move with your spirit in this place, in this church. God, that you would continue to move and do things with our people at our building, outside our building. God, and let's let's just understand how good and holy you are and you can be trusted. When we can't see, God, help us have the faith to trust. Amen.
You're dismissed.